Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. And what does it really mean to take God to work? Is there a specific formula to make it look right? Why, when we get to work, why is it we're so prone to turn God off? What is that anyway? As you sit there today listening to us, and maybe some of you are running and maybe some of you are walking, but as you sit there listening to us today, are you in on mode or off mode? Did you take God to work or did you leave him at home? Or maybe are you at home and you left him in the closet? I'm not sure. But what today we're going to talk with David Winters and Steve Reynolds. They wrote this book, Taking God to Work, The Keys to Ultimate Success. The book is full of so many great thoughts, so many great ideas, but one chapter dealt with something that I've never heard anybody deal with in a book recently, and I mean recently, last six years, as we've done hundreds of authors on this show. How to, de- how to avoid temptations in the workplace. And that's something everybody deals with. This is something that every Jesus follower deals with every day. Yet I've never read a book that blatantly dealt with it. So today, stay tuned as we will all learn how to avoid temptations at work. With David Winters, Steve Reynolds, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. Good to be with you today. The whole premise behind, okay, taking God to work is that both of you agree that it's a good idea to take God to work. So that's the premise. But at what point in time in your life, Steve, did you realize that your faith and your work should be intricately connected? Sure. Well, early on, I mean, I really, I think the thing that breaks my heart the most is, you know, um, I'm just in shock at, at, uh, at pastors and how few pastors I'm talking to uh, have ever even preached on this topic. I'm, I'm, I'm literally thinking it's like less than 10%. It's just staggering to me. It's less than one, just in, in case career, you're wondering. I've been in the same church since 1982, and I think I've done four series on, on work in, in that, that time. And I'm just thinking that's kind of normal. All pastors are doing that. But but no, that's not true. And um, so basically, you know, I mean, the thing that sh- sh- shakes me up about that is for the longest time I realized the Bible says you do it to the Lord, you know, whatever you do, and then the next verse says as a reward. And uh, the, I don't know how that's going to work with God, but I do know this. He's going to reward us if we'll take him to work. And unfortunately, a lot of... Uh, pastors aren't training their people to know how to do that. So it's going to be a loss of reward. David, what about you? Really quick, how did you make that connection between your faith and your work? Well, I'm a a little bit of a lunkhead, so it took three or four big events through my career. The first one, I was so miserable. I was living in Oklahoma, and after that, uh, I gave my whole career to God. And then about five years before I retired, I was starting to have anxiety attacks, and that really brought me to my knees, helped me to realize I needed God intricately involved in every day of work. What prompted you to deal with temptation in this book? Because most books talk about the practical, the tactical, the factual, the biblical, and why we should take God to work. But you actually gave real tactical on dealing with temptation. Sure. Well, as a pastor, I mean, two things. One is I see so many people dividing their lives up into the secular and the spiritual and thinking that the work is secular and like going to church is spiritual. But that's totally... 
uh, not biblical. And so I wanted to, you know, just really help people to bring that together. And then secondly, just seeing the struggle that people face at work. I mean, people succumbing to temptation and falling and, and uh, you know, getting involved in, in uh, sinful things. So I just wanted, wanted to help them to be able to overcome them. And to do that, a big part of that is knowing what are the greatest struggles people face. Right. So, David, when you you and Steve came together and started working on this, was this something that you know you ever dealt with working in, working as a civilian for the armed services for thirty years? <laughs> uh, yeah, just two or three times in the in the thirty. No, <laughs> all over the place. I mean, it's amazing uh, as we go out into the world. You know, it's uh, uh, a world that's not controlled by God in every respect, and there's definitely a lot of people in it that have not yielded their life to Christ. So from just the fear and greed that uh, hangs over a lot of workplaces to uh, individual bad behaviors of individual people, um, there's a lot of opportunity to see uh, the fallen part of human nature. And so what I really, you know, in my heart wanted to see us do is look at uh, the major temptations and to figure out what those were for, you know, a, a given congregation. So uh, Steve did an amazing survey of his uh, um, congregation and got all kinds of input from not just them, but social media and uh, Steve, you can talk a little bit. Yeah, about yeah, that. talk about that because I'm. Yeah, thinking- well, I just, I mean, I'm not, my primary gift is exhortation. So when I speak, I, I, you know, I'm very practical. So <laughs> I like to, I like to know, you know, where people are because, you know, I mean, I, I face certain temptations in my in my uh, job, but you know, what are, what are other people facing? And so, so I, you know, we we run about seven fifty, eight hundred typically on most Sundays, and so I, you know, took about three or four weeks and surveyed our church, and then I have a uh, you know, almost five thousand friends on facebook and i kind of put put it out there and you know i got you know not it's not a scientific study by any means but i mean i did get you know hundreds of people to, to give input so i feel like it's pretty pretty solid uh and uh so you know we I, we want to take each one and, and, and talk about it what it looked like and then come up with a like a remedy for it you listed these top 12 and in, in, in descending order so Number 12, fear. Number 11, compromising beliefs, then stealing from the company, lying, overeating, or unhealthy eating, un- or unhealthy foods. Excuse me, overeating or eating unhealthy foods. <laughs> Sitting at your desk in front of your computer. That never happens. All right. Complaining, anger, laziness, cursing or swearing, misusing technology, gossiping, and the number one issue, the number one temptation people want to beat at work is sexual misconduct and romance let's talk about sexual misconduct and romance talk to us about that as a temptation and what do we do with it yeah in our work well you know it's basically very logical when you think about it okay so so you go off to work and and what do you do i mean you, you try to put yourself to the best way you can, right? You, you know, you look look the best you can. You smell the best you can. You try to act the best you can. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're you know, this is kind of like the peak of your best behavior because you, got, you know, you're in public and you got a paycheck and you want to do well and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you combine that with okay, we've got these tasks to perform. We we got these goals to accomplish. We got these projects, you know, to deal with. And so there you are working in these closed confines, uh, particularly you know, men and 
and women, and and so you you know you've come very very close. And then you know next thing you know, uh, and, and when I'm telling this story, I've heard this story several dozen times as a pastor. So just just so you know, I'm not mm-hmm. on the side of the air, or whatever. Right. And uh, you know, before you know it, you're you know as you're passing the paper to one another, you, your hand slips on the other person's hand a little too much, or you know, unhealthy hugs, or, or I mean, just one one thing starts start snowballing. You know, the, and the way Satan operates and. And um, and so you know, just seeing that trap, and we were fortunate to have one one brave man in our church that was willing to reveal himself, and he actually told the whole church. I mean, he gave a testimony, but I mean, he has a child out of wedlock that all occurred from an affair that happened in the workplace, and um, and he and we were we put that story actually in the book. And so I really respected him for you know helping us keep it real, mm-hmm. and he's doing a great job you know raising his daughter, and, and and we're really proud of him or whatever. But but you know this is just I mean it's just so uh, you know like seventy percent of affairs start in the workplace, and it makes total sense to me that it would happen that way. So we've talked about where the temptation comes from: the sexual misconduct, the romance temptation that comes from at work. But what are we doing to beat it? Because no. remembering that we're taking God to work. That's one thing, but to beat this temptation, there's some pretty proactive things. You know, Andy Stanley would call them guardrails. There's yeah, some sure. serious guardrails, some walls that need to be built here to get this done. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Bible says don't make provision for the flesh. So that's, that's to me, to me that's, uh, that's all all about, you know, meetings and way you handle meetings and just... Just honestly, you you know, you know, the biggest sexual organ we have is our brain. I mean, we you know we we you know we know when that's coming coming up, and even finding a trusted friend, somebody that's close enough to you that you should say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit attracted to this person here. You know, I don't don't want to do anything or whatever. And just you know, just having some accountability uh, in your life can can go a long ways. And mm-hmm. then just remember the you know the fruit. You know, the, at the end, I mean, you, you know, whatever you sow, you you reap. And just trying to you know, for me, that's what's helped me to be sexually pure. pure. Just remember the devastation that will happen, and you know, the, the, short, the short-term you know pleasure isn't worth the long-term negative effects. And just keeping your head on straight, basically, and just thinking this thing through and realizing you know how important this stuff is, and and uh, fleeing the temptation. Like Joseph, Joseph was in the workplace. You know, when he yep. with Potiphar's wife, he was actually at work, and that was his job: take care. of uh, of the place there and, and run things and that temptation happened right there in the workplace and and you know sometimes we just have to flee i mean it may even come to the point where you do have to actually go get another job so whatever it takes is what it comes down to well i wanted to jump in with this one one comment about this part and that is you know a lot of people especially when they're younger in the workforce they think romance love whatever you want to call it just floats in out of the ether and that they have no control <laughs> over how they feel, over what they do. Um, and, you know, that just isn't the case. Uh, as you walk along with the Lord, you get to realize that he asks you in uh, scriptures like Colossians 3, five, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetous, which is idolatry. Because we have a part to play. We have to guard our mind. If we start going in the wrong direction, we need to incorporate, uh, you know, God into that struggle. Mm-hmm. Let him uh, send you in a different direction. And, you know, those thoughts can flee pretty fast if you call on your faith, if you start your day with prayer, if you worship 
when you see good things happen to you at work related to your job, if you just incorporate God into what you're doing all day, it's not that hard to uh, to resist some of these temptations. So I just wanted to throw that in Thank because you. I know it can feel uh, you know, like, oh, this just happened to me. But as you get closer and closer with another person, God might be telling you, hey, this isn't your spouse. Uh, let's draw back just a little bit and, you know, find a different friend, maybe that's not of the opposite sex or something, uh, when you're getting into a shady area. David, you were going to comment on this. Well, how is gossiping, a, 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 how will that destroy our witness at work and destroy other people? Well, you know, talking about uh, other people when they're not present is really a trap. And as a professional or as a worker who wants to be uh, the best you can be at your job, um, that reflects poorly on you regardless of the spiritual angle. Uh, you know, as a manager for um, 20 years in, uh, in government, uh, nothing turns off a supervisor faster than if you walk into his or her office and start saying how, uh, oh, this is happening to that person and, and oh, they're involved in this. And, you know, if it isn't work-related, uh, you really don't need to, uh, uh, to share it. And then if it's negative, you need to really, really make sure you have your facts straight and also, you need to have talked it over with that person. You know, there can be dysfunction on a team that requires bringing issues to light sometimes, but it's never you talking to another employee about the bad behavior of, uh, of a coworker. David, what are some of the proactive things that you mention in the book on ways to, uh, to beat the gossip temptation? Well, for, first and foremost uh, is the golden rule that uh, you need to treat other people with respect like you'd like to be treated. Mm-hmm. So um, remembering who you are in Christ uh, allows you to um, uh, speak about other people with God's eyes on. Uh, realize no one does anything for no reason. You know, they're, if they're taking shortcuts, if they're, um, you know, not being everything you wish they could be, uh, there are reasons for that. And some of them are personal choice, but some of them are also uh, difficult circumstances at work. And so we need to look behind uh, the outward behavior to how we can really love people. And that gets into one of the major themes of our book, which is, you can transform your workplace. You know, you're not stuck in a place that's static and can never change. You can have a tremendous impact if you start to head off and slow down uh, the negative behaviors of your coworkers. And frankly, if you can help God to make your workplace a more righteous place just by promoting healthy uh, alternatives, like mentioning how uh, positive someone's uh, outcome was on a given project, Uh, promoting those around you as opposed to trying to denigrate them, thinking that that's somehow going to make you look better to the boss. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? 
Hear the full broadcast at iWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at iWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at iWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at iWorkForHim and online, iWorkForHim.com.